It's probably embarrassing to even admit this, but Sacramento Kings fans don't care. We're celebrating. Let's throw a parade because the Kings won both games of a back-to-back. And not only did they defeat the Charlotte Hornets 123-98 tonight, while many teams around the league are using trade season to showcase their players that are on the block, the Sacramento Kings are using trade season to showcase something completely different. We'll explain right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the most exciting and fun way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use promo code locked on NBA for an instant deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And this is that time of the year, of course, there's a ton of smokescreen, a ton of rumors going around is this player going here is this team interested in that this player and of course we've seen the Sacramento Kings especially in regards to Pascal Siakam being involved in a lot of this conversation well we know it's been very well publicized that three Kings in particular Harrison Barnes Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell have been put on the block and are available for trade and it shouldn't surprise anybody that Davion Mitchell got another stretch of opportunity that Kevin Herter is back in the starting lineup although unfortunately he did get hurt tonight We'll talk about that. And Harrison Barnes, he's a staple. He's a rock in that starting lineup. The Kings are hopefully going to get games from those three players or did get games from those three uh, players up to this point that maybe increase their trade value a little bit or maybe do enough to attract a team out there to, to make a move for them. It's something that's happening around the league. But tonight was a very different kind of showcase for the Sacramento Kings. It wasn't about what Barnes or Herter or Mitchell were doing because, like I mentioned, Herter got hurt literally in the opening seconds of this game. It looks like after the opening tip, he took a step backwards and and, and stepped on the foot, I think, of Keegan Murray and tweaked his left ankle. He left the game after like 40 seconds or something like that. It was ruled out quickly thereafter. So hopefully it's not a serious injury and hopefully Kevin is, uh, is able to return. Of course, not only does that impact Herter's ability to be on the floor with the Sacramento Kings that could also potentially negatively impact any trade value that Herter has. And as of right now, I personally feel that out of those three players on the block, Herter has the most value or gives the Kings the best chance of a pretty positive uh, return. But we'll wait for updates on Kevin Herter. Harrison Barnes tonight uh, played 22 minutes, only six points, two rebounds, one assist. Couldn't really tell you too much of what Harrison did. I didn't notice that he was on the floor, and that's unfortunately what happens far too often with 40. And then Davion Mitchell, he's back to not playing, not being a part of the rotation. The only time he got in the game tonight in Charlotte was at the very end when all the uh, end of the bench guys were in and the, the the white flag was raised by Charlotte and it was garbage time minutes, right? So Davion Mitchell certainly didn't necessarily do anything in tonight's game to increase his trade value or attract a suitor out there anymore that they may already be attracted. So it, it wasn't a showcase about those three. Tonight was a different showcase for the Sacramento Kings. Tonight was a showcase of why Keegan Murray is not 
available for trade. While why he has been labeled untouchable or untradeable at this point in time. The Sacramento Kings are not moving on from Keegan Murray. They're sure as hell not doing it uh, in, in, in a trade for Pascal Siakam, which there is an upgrade or rather update on that Siakam situation. I'll get to towards the end of the podcast. They're not including him in conversations for, for pretty much anybody at this point in time, at least anybody that realistically the Kings have a chance of landing in a trade. Keegan Murray is here to stay in Sacramento. And over these last two games, coming off a 32-point performance uh, in the win in Detroit last night, he follows that up with a 25-point, 11-of-18 shooting, 6-rebound, 3-assist, 1-block in 32 minutes night tonight, showing the world why he's not available for trade, number one, and number two, why the Sacramento Kings view him as the star and as a the, the third piece of a future big three here in Sacramento. Hell, we, we we don't even have to use future anymore. He is a piece of the big three here in Sacramento. Of course, he has to get more consistent, but this is what Keegan Murray is capable of. These last two games, not only is he shooting the ball well, he's aggressive, he's attacking the basket, and he's doing an excellent job on the defensive end of the floor. He had a couple of possessions in tonight's game. One in particular that's like locked into my mind of him being switched onto Terry Rozier. And Rozier was really the only guy, scary Terry, really the only guy that was giving the Kings trouble tonight, right? Really the only guy that the Kings were overly afraid of. And Terry Rozier, of course, is a guard, a quick guard at that. Keegan Murray gets switched onto him. Rozier tries to go right at him. Keegan Murray uses his body and his feet to stay in front of Rozier, ends up forcing him into a, a tough shot that he missed, and the Kings get the rebound and get out in transition. Kings defense in general was really, really good tonight, and we'll talk about that too. But Keegan Murray's individual defense was awesome in addition to the great offense uh, that he has been providing. Keegan Murray is going to be a star here in Sacramento. Now, there's a fine line between it, between being a star for a franchise and being an all-star, being amongst the stars of the league, right? And the Sacramento Kings certainly believe that Keegan can be an all-star. And hey, if, if he plays consistently the way that he played tonight and the way that he's played over these last couple of games, yeah, he absolutely can be an all-star. That's a lot to ask. Certainly a second-year player. But what we're seeing from Keegan Murray is like like these flashes of, look how much I've grown as an offensive player. Look how much I've grown as an overall scorer outside of just the catch-and-shoot threes, which is how he established himself last year. And especially, look how much I've grown on the defensive end of the floor to where we can say honestly, now this might also be kind of a poor reflection on the Sacramento Kings defense as a whole, but I think Keegan Murray, and he is statistically the best defender on this Kings team. He is. Keegan is going to is quickly becoming the guy, a reliable defender to where Mike Brown can stick Keegan on opposing teams larger guards or wings and have that be his matchup. For example, let's say the Kings took on the Oklahoma City Thunder starting tomorrow in a, a best of seven playoff series. Keegan Murray's primary job is going to be handling Shea Gilgis Alexander. But Keegan also is expected to provide more of an input on the offensive end of the floor. And we're going to get to my favorite part of this game tonight. What I love the most about this game, and of course, Keegan is absolutely at the center of it, but Keegan's offense is something that comes naturally, right? 
we do want to see him be a little more attack-minded. We do want to see him try and get to the basket more, and he's been doing that over these last couple of games. But more importantly, he's making the right decisions, making high basketball IQ smart decisions. He's scoring without forcing. Maybe once or twice in a handful of games, you'll see him force a bad shot. But more often than not, Keegan is taking what defenses are giving him. He's scoring in the flow of the offense, and we're seeing the Kings emphasizing getting him the ball. If you watch the two guard, typically it's Kevin Herter. Tonight, a lot of it was Chris Duarte. The Kings are running a set where Herter or Duarte or whoever the two guard is comes up and essentially sets a screen, but not really, forces a switch. So Keegan can come up top and he receives the ball, typically from DeMontis Sabonis or one of the Kings guards, and he gets it uh, at the three-point line or at least the, the, the top of the key. And at that point, he can try and get downhill and attack the basket and show that float game, get to the rim and try and score at the rim with layups, which he did a couple times tonight, or have that opportunity for that mid-range jumper or even a step back three, and he showed that last night against the Detroit Pistons. He's showing his ability as a three-level scorer, and the Kings are trying to emphasize that and give him opportunities to showcase that more, which ultimately, at least over these last two games, has led to good offensive success for the Sacramento Kings. And that is a set. That is something that takes the pressure off of Sabonis, takes the pressure off of De'Aaron Fox, takes the pressure off of Malik Monk, who are still constant threats out there with Keegan, but with the defenses focused on what Keegan is trying to do, that opens up opportunities for them, or if defenses are so worried about them that they allow Keegan to have those mismatches or allow Keegan to get downhill, Keegan is showing that he can take advantage of that. I love what I've seen out of Keegan Murray over these last two games. You're damn right, Keegan Murray is not available for trade. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing about this win tonight, this 123-98 win over the Charlotte Hornets, no, it wasn't that the Kings won both games of a back-to-back. No, it wasn't that the Kings got revenge over the Charlotte Hornets for beating the Kings in Sacramento last week. And no, it wasn't that the Kings gave us a pretty much wall-to-wall. The start of this game was a little bit rocky, but for the most part, a wall-to-wall solid performance, especially after that roller coaster ride of a win against Detroit last night. It was nice to see, and it was beneficial for myself and I think a lot of Sacramento Kings fans out there just to see the Kings win a game comfortably, right, and and look like the best team from basically start to finish. It was nice to see. We all needed to see that, but that was not my favorite part about tonight. What I loved about tonight's Kings win is that the Kings played within themselves. Almost everything, in fact, I would I, I would pretty much say everything that the Kings did tonight is repeatable. What I mean by that is that the Kings didn't shoot 50% from three-point range and make 23 or 24 three-pointers. That's stuff the Kings are capable of doing every once in a while, but that's hard to do. The Kings didn't get a 40-point performance out of somebody. They're capable of getting that from Fox. Hell, we've seen Keegan Murray do that before. We've seen uh, Malik Monk do that before. Like, the Kings can get those kind of performances out of their their stars and their big offensive players, but they didn't need to tonight to dominate this game and to win as comfortably as they did. They didn't need DeMontis Sabonis to put up a triple-double, which he's capable of doing any any night. And he probably would have had he played more, but I love the fact that Keegan Murray played the most minutes out of any one of the big four or core four here in Sacramento. He played 32 Monk played 30. Fox and Sabonis both played 28. 
Like the fact that you can come into Charlotte second night of a back-to-back, all four of your core players can play well and you can handle business and basically take care of this game and make sure it's a win without playing any one of them more than 32 minutes. That's awesome for the Sacramento Kings. Everything that we saw tonight that directly led to the Kings putting together one of their most complete wins of the season, especially with a big boost on the defensive end of the floor, everything is repeatable. The Kings can do this again. The Kings can get a near triple-double or even a triple-double out of Sabonis while Keegan Murray is getting his shots and scoring 20 points and also an impact on the defensive end and grabbing some rebounds. And on top of that, De'Aaron Fox is more than capable of exploding for 30 or 40 points anytime the Kings need him to as that superstar. But they don't always need him to do that in order to have games like this, in order to be successful. In years past, if the Kings were going to win 123-98 to on the road, it's probably because De'Aaron Fox went crazy. That wasn't the case tonight. Fox only scored 19 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 3 assists, 1 rebound, 1 steal, 1 block, 28 minutes. He was all over the stat sheet, and he got off to a really strong start in this game. He, I think, nearly by himself went on like an 8-0 run to end the first quarter. He hit some big threes early on and established himself, but didn't have to go much further than that. Malik Monk had 20 points tonight, 7 of 7 shooting from the free throw line. Love to see that. 4 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 blocks in 30 minutes. Demonte Sabonis, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 block in 28 minutes. That's the 20th straight double-double for Sabonis. Like, the Kings' core was very active, was very involved in this game. And all of that can happen again and can get even better. If the Kings, let's let's take Monk out of the picture for right now, although we know how important Monk is to this Kings team. If the Kings can get this kind of output from Keegan, not necessarily 25 points a night, but if the if the Kings can get this, this 20-point threat on a nightly basis with that defensive impact and that efficient shooting and rebounding, get that on a nightly basis, which I don't think is too much of an ask eventually for where Keegan's going to go. And with DeMontis Zabonis being a, like a, a, a permanent inked, penciled-in uh, double-double on a nightly basis and always being a triple-double threat. Plus with De'Aaron Fox, always the threat to be the superstar MVP caliber scorer that he is. If, these, if, if that's what this core three, this big three in Sacramento can be on basically a, a nightly basis, let's say a semi-nightly basis, it's going to be hard to beat this team. I'm not saying impossible. I'm not saying there aren't better teams out there, but it's hard to beat the Kings when they're getting that kind of output out of their big three. And then Malik Monk and Trey Lyles and the other guys that you want to add to that group, guys that you're maybe trying to go and acquire at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, maybe that's just icing on the cupcake. But I loved... What I saw, the Kings dominated, and everything is repeatable. Love to see that. Love to see the Kings' defense, too. We're going to talk a lot about that Kings' defense and what was different this time versus that first quarter in Detroit and some of the really bad defensive performance uh, performances that we've seen out of the Kings so far this season. We'll get to all that here in just a second. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the way it works, it's just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling against uh, different players out there, including pros and sharks, you don't have to worry about them. It's just you versus the numbers. You pick two to six players, whether they're going to score more or less than their uh, Prize Picks point projection, or have more or less rebounds or assists or minutes 
played or combination of a bunch of different things. There's so many fun and unique ways to play Price Picks. And one of the best features about Price Picks is their reboot policy. I actually benefited from this not too long ago when the Kings were playing the uh, Orlando Magic. I uh, I picked uh, Franz Wagner to score more than the number was like 24 and a half points. Well, Wagner got hurt in the first quarter of that game and did not return for the rest of the game. Now, other sites, they'll penalize you for that. They'll say, hey, technically he didn't score more than 24 and a half points. Sorry, that's not the case at Price Picks. They have their reboot policy, which means they just, it's basically a wash, it's a push, and they adjust the payouts based off of the rest of the, uh, the projections, whether you get those right or wrong. There aren't other fantasy sports options uh, that gives you that or platforms that give you that. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make submissions for football or basketball or whatever it is in 60 seconds or less. You can do combinations of football and basketball uh, and some fun, really unique ways to play during these NFL playoffs. They offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts as well, including easier bets and some more difficult uh, selections and You'll have different payouts based off of the ones that you choose. So many fun and amazing ways to play on prize picks, and it's a staple here amongst the Sacramento media community. We all love to play it. We all enjoy it. So if you want to join us, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use deposit, uh, or use rather code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. What we saw tonight from the Kings, it's not the first time that we've seen it this season. But what we saw tonight is what this Kings defense is capable of. It's not perfect. It's certainly not elite. It's not polished. It's not locked down and not the best in the league. But what we saw tonight, the two words that we can use to describe this Kings defense, and they're pro- this is the these are the words that are going to make, or these are the descriptions that are going to make this Kings defense the best that it can possibly be this year with this roster and their personnel. Active and engaged. If the Kings are active on the defensive end and engaged on the defensive end, another term I could use is bought in on the defensive end of the floor, willing to do what Mike is asking for, which is making that extra effort fighting for 24 seconds of a shot clock on a defensive possession, willing to scramble and close out and use your body to stay in front of players and and not take the bailout foul, but take a bump to the chest and be physical, to step and put your body on the line just inside the paint and draw charges. Mike is asking for a lot out of this group on the defensive end of the floor, especially from a roster that is primarily skilled on the offensive end, that already exerts a lot of energy on the offensive end. Mike is asking for a lot. But really, what Mike is asking for is for this Kings team to be active and engaged defensively. Because a lot of these things that we just laid out, that I just laid out there for you, that Mike is asking for, a lot of those things happen naturally when you're engaged on the defensive end. You're willing to throw your body on the line to take a charge. You take it personally when a player scores on you. You want to show your strength. You want to make sure that if a team, if a player is going to try and attack you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumping my chest out. I'm standing firm. You ain't, you ain't getting by me. Take some pride in it, right? Active and engaged. We know this Kings team is capable of it. They've shown it multiple times this season. Of course, they showed it tonight. And while that's encouraging on one hand, like, hell yeah. See, this is what the Kings are capable of. They're capable of playing 
good defense when they need to, right? Even with a, a roster that's not doesn't really have too many good defenders. They're never going to be a great defensive team, or they're certainly not going to be a great defensive team at this point in time. But they're capable of being good and doing and putting in the work that can make an impact in a game or make an impact in a playoff series, right? We've seen it. It makes it even more frustrating on nights like the first quarter of last night against the Detroit Pistons or far too many nights so far this season, Sunday against the New Orleans Pelicans, whatever game. There's way too many that you can pick uh, pick out and point to this season where the Kings have not been active and not been engaged on the defensive end of the floor, not willing to put in that extra effort that leads to positives on the defensive end. And lo and behold, when the Kings are playing well on the defensive end, when they're creating stops, that allows them to get out in transition, that allows their offense to be the best. So if the Kings want to play the offense that they love to play, getting up and down the floor, alley-oops, dunks, flashiness, transition threes, quick offense, if they want to do that, do the things that they love to do. Do the things that they've, they're known for at an elite level. The best way to do that is by being active and engaged on the defensive end of the floor. So when the Kings aren't doing that, and I'm not saying it's easy to do that for a 48-minute game, 82 games a year, plus the playoffs. I'm not saying it's easy at all. Here's a guy talking about it, holding a microphone, and sitting on a couch eating while the game is going. Right, I'm not the one out there putting my body on the line and, and, and playing hard for 24 seconds of a shot clock and then expected to go and score on the other end of the floor. So it's easy for me to say. That's why Mike Brown is asking for a lot. Any coach who's asking for a team to be active and engaged all the time on the defensive end of the floor is asking for a lot. That's why only the best teams are able to do it consistently. The Kings are capable of doing it at least more than what they've been doing this season. And that's what makes the times where they're not doing it so frustrating because we know this team is capable. This team can do it. Now, you might be listening to this going, Matt, like, chill. It's the Hornets, right? The Hornets are missing their basically their entire starting lineup. They've been riddled by injuries, right? I hear you. Two things, two responses that I have to that. Number one is... The Kings held the Oklahoma City Thunder to under 100 points. They held the the Thunder to 98 points earlier this season in an in-season tournament game where De'Aaron Fox didn't play. So the Kings have done this before, too. It's not just against the bad teams. It's not just against the Charlotte Hornets that the Kings have done this. They did it against the Thunder, who are arguably, they and the Indiana Pacers are probably fighting for the, the title of the darling of the league this season. The Kings did it to them. They've beaten them twice defensively. I think the other time they held the Thunder to like only 104 points or something like that. So defensively, they've done well against good teams. That's number one. Number two is, if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, and I know a lot of you are probably already nodding your head because you know where I'm going here. To see the Kings perform to the level that they're capable of performing, especially against a team that you know that you're better than, that you know you should be beating. That's a welcome sight. Because far too often this season, far too often over the last damn near 20 years, we've seen the Kings play to the level of their competition, lose games that they should be winning, win games that maybe they should be losing, or get up and get excited and play hard and beat some of the best opponents in the league, only to follow it up with a stinker against a bad team. It's signs of immaturity. The Kings, on the second night of a back-to-back, 
a Wednesday night game in Charlotte against a bad Hornets team in a half-empty arena. That's not fair. I'm sure they three-quarters full. I don't know. I wasn't there. The Kings got up. They were active and engaged, playing hard. In the fourth quarter of a blowout, they were still playing engaged defensively until the starters and main rotation players were pulled. That, to me, is exciting. That, to me, is encouraging. Let's talk about DeMondis Sabonis. Before he had another great night tonight, Sabonis was in the news today because he is one of five players that have been selected for a new NBA docuseries. If you're not familiar with the Netflix series Quarterback, the NFL did a series following like three or four quarterbacks in the league. was tremendously successful. I actually haven't seen it yet, truth be told. I need to see it. I'm sure I would enjoy it. I haven't seen it. But you're absolutely right that I'm going to watch this series following these five different NBA players. I would have watched it anyway, but now I'm definitely going to watch it because DeMontis Sabonis is one of the five players selected. The other four players are LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and Anthony Edwards. Now, of course, not surprising to anybody. As soon as Shams reported that this series was happening and, and, and reported who the five players were, you saw way too easy and way too predictable, low-hanging fruit responses from casual NBA fans who actually don't know what the hell they're talking about, who don't know basketball and don't pay attention to anything outside of their Lakers or their, their, their top team or whatever highlights that they watch on ESPN, which is the same team shoved down their throat on a nightly basis. Those casual NBA fans making the jokes, Sabonis, Sabonis, what is Sabonis doing here? Sabonis on this list? There's four teams and then a clown here. And you see all these graphics and all these jokes. I get it. It's low-hanging fruit. But in reality, I don't know if Sabonis was the first choice. I imagine Nikola Jokic or Luka Doncic were probably choices over Sabonis to have those European ties and to help attract that European audience that Sabonis is going to attract and bring to this docuseries. But regardless of if they were approached or not, and if they said no or not, I don't care because Sabonis deserves to get this kind of attention because he's a triple-double threat on a nightly basis. He's an all-NBA center, multi-time all-star. On top of that, he's playing for one of the most exciting teams in the league, a team that is now nine games over 500. And has European ties and an NBA legacy, a family uh, family history in this league. There are so many amazing reasons why Demonte Sabonis is an excellent choice for this show. And my favorite part about this for Sabonis is that hopefully, the same way I guess Kirk Cousins won people over in the in the quarterback series. Hopefully, people are going to finally see not just how hard Sabonis works and the great stuff that he does on the floor, but how awesome of a dude he is and great teammate and great man he is off of the floor. Yes, there are going to be jokes and there are going to be people that can't that, that, that just aren't worth trying to gain their attention because they've already made up their minds that Sabonis sucks and Sabonis doesn't deserve to be there and they listen to all the nonsense that is read and, and written and said online by people who aren't actually watching Sabonis play basketball those people are going to have their opinions, whatever. But I think Sabonis is going to win over a lot of people. And he's going to get, finally, a lot more of the respect that he deserves. He doesn't have to earn it any more than he already has. I hope this docuseries portrays him as he is. 
because him being portrayed and having that get out and get more eyeballs is naturally going to lead to more people wanting to vote for him when it comes to all-star voting, wanting to pay attention to what he's doing and appreciate him and acknowledge him for doing something that, again, literally only Nikola Jokic is doing more than him. I love this for Sabonis. I cannot wait for this show to come out. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy and unpredictable parts of life, those realities, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than my son Arthur or my wife Brittany or anybody getting sick in my house and the supply chain of of the antibiotics and things that I need to treat them and make them feel better. I don't have access to that because it's run out or it's not available, it's on back order, whatever the case, I don't have to worry about that because thankfully, I'll be okay with Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinus, uh, sinusitis, uh, skin infections, among other things. This stuff is common. It can happen to any of us at any given time. Visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed at a licensed pharmacy at a function, or rather a fraction of the price. It's incredible. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. So trade season rolls on. We're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline in early February. And look, unfortunately, if you were a big fan of the idea of Pascal Siakam to come into Sacramento, I'm not saying that it's completely dead in the water, but it looks pretty close. According to Sam Amick of The Athletic today, Sam said this, quote, Siakam would not be excited if he were traded to Sacramento. He doesn't view the Kings as a good long-term fit. It was reported not too long ago that the Sacramento Kings were unwilling to give Siakam a max extension. And on top of that, the Kings reportedly offered Herder, Barnes, Mitchell, and a first-round pick to the Raptors for Siakam. Obviously, the Raptors did not agree to that deal. Now, no word on if the Kings pulled that deal off the table once they found out that Siakam wasn't likely to resign or not. Regardless, I'm glad that the Kings didn't make multiple first-round picks available in this trade because, look, Sacramento has changed minds in the past, right? There's been a fair share of players, including famously Chris Webber, who did not want to come here, and then they come to Sacramento, they they get involved with the culture, get involved with the team, whatever it may be, fall in love with the community, whatever it is, the weather, who knows? They love Sacramento, and they decide that this is actually a great place for them, and they want to stay, and they have fond memories of their time in Sacramento. It's happened many times before. For three or four months, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to trade multiple first-round pick assets in the hopes to change a player's mind over those three to four months. The Kings would essentially have to make, at minimum, a deep playoff run to, I think, have a chance of changing his mind. And still, there might be the expectation that they have to give Sabonis, or excuse me, give Siakam a max contract, which ain't happening. So, you know what? I'm okay with that ship sailing. 
There are other names out there, other options out there. Maybe nothing as exciting or, or, or as good as Pascal Siakam, but don't force it if it doesn't make sense. And one thing we know about Kings general manager Monty McNair is he's not going to force something for the sake of making it happen, right? That is the situation. So we'll see what the Raptors decide to do with Sabonis and, and see what route they go. It seems like uh, Sabonis to the Kings is is pretty much dead. But like I said, there are other trade options out there. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings, I'm going to be joined by Kyle Madsen from ESPN 1320's The Insider's Radio Show. Kyle has ties to the Bay and the Golden State Warriors, of course, has ties here to the Sacramento Kings. So understands both franchises very, very well. We're going to discuss the possibility of Moody or Kaminga and if the Kings could target one or both of them, if the Warriors would even be willing to play ball with the Kings and how that trade is even possible. We'll discuss that. Those are two players that... I would not mind seeing here in Sacramento. Fits kind of the younger timeline for the Kings. I don't know if that turns them into contenders, but it certainly puts them, I think, in the right direction. You could go to the Chicago Bulls and ask about Alex Caruso. Now, this is more of a fringe player. What I mean by that, no disrespect to Caruso. He's a good player. I think he absolutely would come to Sacramento and certainly on the defensive end, help this Kings team win games. That being said, Caruso... I don't think makes the Kings a contender if he's the biggest name that you're getting back during the trade deadline, but still a piece that I would not mind seeing in a Kings jersey. Marcus Smart is a name that's coming up now. Now, after an unfortunate uh, season-ending injury to John Morant, Marcus Smart might be available as the Grizzlies are probably looking towards the draft and the draft lottery at this point in time. Well, the Grizzlies gave up a couple of first-round picks in order to bring Marcus Smart to Memphis. He's not going to be cheap. I'm going to be uh, doing a podcast in the near future uh, with the Locked On Grizzlies group. Going to talk to them about the possibility of a Marcus Smart trade and what the Kings would have to give up and what the Grizzlies would be looking for and if a trade is even likely from the Grizzlies' perspective. Keep an eye out for that. And then I am working with the Locked On Nets podcast because I love McCall Bridges. I know a lot of you here in Sacramento love McCall Bridges. I am not willing to throw too much future draft compensation at too many guys. I would throw a package that included two to three first-round picks to Brooklyn in order to bring McCall Bridges to Sacramento. I think in so many ways he'd be perfect for this Kings team and absolutely would put them close to not in if they're not in that contendership status, they're very, very close with McCall Bridges here in Sacramento, in my opinion. So I'm trying to find out some time to, to sit down with uh, Adam from the Locked On Nets podcast and discuss a, a possible Bridges trade with him. So if you like any of those names, if you want to throw any other names out there that you'd like me to consider or discuss in future trade rumors or trade conversations, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Matt George Sack, email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. As for now, we are done. Thank you so much for your support. As always, can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. The Kings 2-0 to start this road trip. Two wins on a back-to-back. We love to see that. The Kings handled their business in the games that they needed to because coming up, they have the, 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 the 76ers on Friday, they have the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday, and they wrap up this road trip against the Phoenix Suns. Also, I announced announced it, speaking of the Suns, on February 13th, which is a Tuesday, I'm hosting another watch party, Sacramento Kings watch party at the Sac Yard Community Tap House here in Sacramento. The first one was a tremendous success. Come and join me and your fellow Kings fans. Some good drinks, some good food, a lot of laughs, and hopefully a lot of cheers as we watch the Kings take on and hopefully defeat the Phoenix Suns. It's not this upcoming Suns game at the end of this road trip. It's later on in February when the Kings take on the Suns again 
in Phoenix. It'll be after that game, so I hope to see you at the watch party. More information coming out, and I'll remind you more as that uh, event gets closer and closer. Thank you for your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.